0: Welcome to Love Maps, your guide to love, sex, and relationships. I'm your host, Joe Nichol. I'm a psychotherapist and relationship coach. For 25 years, I've been working with couples and individuals, and I know firsthand that many people are not having the sex and love life they want. So I decided to make this podcast to give people the tools they need to get the relationships they long for with more passion, intimacy, and connection. So what is a love map? A love map is the blueprint for our relationships which we developed in the early stages of our life. There's a saying, show me how you were loved and I will show you how you love. Our culture shows us how to fall in love but I want to show you how to stay in love. Each episode I'll be hanging out on my sofa with an invited guest who has a particular interest or expertise in love and sex and together we'll explore a specific topic so that you can take away tools and new ideas that I hope will transform your relationships. Today we're gonna be talking to Lisa Bruton. She's a psychotherapist and she works a lot with couples and we are going to be discussing in-laws, love them or hate them, your extended families, We're going to help you understand how to navigate the tensions that arise from these relationships. Also with me on Love Maps is my regular sofa buddy and editor, Richard Cotton, who is as passionate as I am about improving our relationships. Hey Richard, we're talking about in-laws today. <laughs> Are you laughing because you know about in-laws? I'm uh,
1: laughing because uh, it sounds like a 1970s sitcom.
0: It's a bit. It is a stereotypical thing, you know. But it is that, an issue, isn't it? It is an issue. You know the the story about mother is you know the mother-in-law story has been around for most people forever, and I think it's important to understand that more and more we need to embrace different cultural. Um, rituals and traditions and they will arise in our in our relationships yeah
1: I mean I really like my in-laws I have to say I've, I've been really fortunate um, oh that's great you know, the, 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 the family of you know the mother of my children I'm very fond of them still and
0: were you're lucky because I think it's it is quite rare because somehow the differences are not understood and negotiated and accepted and there is still this issue of Being an outsider in your partner's family, and I know that that emerges in different ways around holidays when we go and spend time with our partner's families. Right, and then shit happens because you know our partners suddenly turn into the we start to behave differently around our our own family, and suddenly there's there's
1: two different people, Jekyll and Hyde.
0: It's very challenging for adult relationships because so much of our inner children are evoked by our relationships with our families in and around our families. So I think that this is a really important issue to unpick because people do need support. I wish I'd had support before I'd met my in-laws because I really messed it up. You had a hard time. Uh, Yeah. I didn't understand where they were coming from. They didn't understand where I was coming from. And it felt very painful a lot of the time with them. And
1: you didn't really have the tools. You hadn't had this conversation No, I didn't advance, have this conversation.
0: And my husband, bless didn't him, didn't also have a clue no. when he and his mu- his mother and I went to war. Poor bloke. He was stuck in the middle of that. Yeah. And I think a lot of men and women feel that way with their in-laws and their partners. Yeah. So it really is wonderful that today we've got with us Lisa Bruton, who's a psychotherapist and works a lot with couples. Lisa, tell me, why are you interested in the in law story?
2: I am interested in in laws because I find again and again it comes up in the work that I do with couples both in um, positive ways so ways in which the in-laws or the extended family can be a source of support to the couple but also in ways it can become a significant source of tension so how a couple navigates their relationship with their in-laws and how they can preserve their couple unit in the face of tensions is something that forms a big part of my work so it's become an area of interest
0: that's, that's quite, in, I mean, I don't get a lot of couples bringing in in-law um, issues. Mm. Um, so I'm really curious about well, why that is. Sure.
2: And I think, I think it's interesting you say that because it's very rarely the presenting issue. Mm. But when I um, hone in on some of the points of greatest tension or the biggest arguments that some of the couples I work with have, they are often preceding, during or after uh, interaction with in-laws. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a moment where emotions run high, mm-hmm. and ways that couples may normally have of um, being with each other, positive ways, can kind of fall flat. So some of um, some of the kind of more hurtful language can come in. The more uh, critical language comes in more in those moments, is what I've found. And are
1: those about comparison? Yeah.
2: Often? Lots of cons- Lots of comparison. you just lo- like. Yeah. And in a way, who's better who's who does family better um and and also coming coming in contact with a very different family culture to yours so when you when you start a relationship with someone they are coming you know they come out of their own family culture and you are um meeting people that do things often in a very different way to you do so how do they celebrate how do they argue how do they express emotions how do they how much contact do they want to have with you as a family all of that comes into play
0: i mean i find that exploring the area of differences in family values is important because when we do that work of asking what did you learn from mm-hmm. your mother mm-hmm. about being a wife what did you learn from your father about being a husband when those questions emerge in our work which mm. they have to do because mm. you know our template mm. our blueprint our love map about how we are relationally is embedded in those early f- years in our family of origin and in that early environment yeah. so it does emerge that we do have the couples do then get a glimpse Probably often for the first time, yes. these questions are asked, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. What did that mean to you? What were you, did you learn growing up? And um, for me, that's when these. It's really curious how often couples have never explored that. Yeah. yeah. Do you mean where they where they come from? What they're bringing? How did you talk about feelings in your family yeah. of origin? Yeah. yeah. How did your dad express feelings to your mum? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you grow up learning about sex? Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. those very important, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah areas yeah. of um,
2: difference. Sure. You ask a couple. So why why have you chosen that person? What draw what drew you to them? And often there there is something also about their family culture. So thinking of a couple that I'm working with at the minute. Uh, where uh, one member of the couple is incredibly kind of robust, very witty, um, en- enjoys a lot of banter. And the other part of the couple is, is not like that, is more kind of sensitive, more introverted. She has been very attracted to that side of her partner that comes from a family culture where they do that. So there's something about owning your choices. I have chosen this partner. You know, why? why what attracts me to them Um, And I need to kind of in some way take responsibility for all that I have chosen
0: in him. Remembering what you were drawn to. Yeah, yeah. And how those differences are important. Yeah, yeah. And actually nourishing. Mm. Because you have to grow through accepting Mm. and understanding those differences. But it's also, I'm thinking that how do we help couples navigate those incredibly sensitive and tricky waters mm. of the others parents mm. and family mm. when it comes to holidays for instance yeah which is such a trigger you and i know that most of our work comes after family holidays i mean if you know if we're not busy after christmas we might as well go out of business quite honestly because that is a kickoff yeah and it's recognizing isn't it that they will be difficult they will be challenging yeah i think that's the key thing and i think
2: couples that i work with where we're able to identify together these these are your vulnerable points as a couple Mm. These these are your strong points These is when you know mm. often it's kind of on holiday or relaxing together a family but these are your vulnerable points yeah. often when they're around extended family emotions run high there might be alcohol in the mix etc extended periods of time together mm. if we can recognize that as a start what can you do to um immunize yourself as much as possible against a poten- potential potential uh, conflict. So right and right. what can you do? I think when there can be very big blowouts between a couple and in-laws um, it can have really long-lasting effects so, you know work with couples they'll be talking about an argument that happened you know a decade ago and it's still having reverberations now um, so I think the first thing to answer your question I think the first thing is to recognize okay this is this is a moment that we know we are likely to get into you know we're likely to kind of bump up against each other a bit what do we need do we need time alone do we need time out do we need to be a little bit more generous with each other to know okay you might act like a bit of a dick sometimes or I might be a bit crap sometimes Uh, how can we extend that to each other do we need to rest Um, Do I need to watch how much I drink, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of having those conversations. And then what I really love doing with clients is having a review. Okay, so you had that big 50th birthday bash. Kind of what, how was it? How were Mm, the two of you together? How did you manage it? And
1: not necessarily after a particularly traumatic or conflicted time but also if completely it, if it goes well when just it, check in yeah. as a matter of course yeah right? that
2: and in a way the the greater learning happens then okay that went well let's let's think about that what went well in those mm. moments what can we build on and 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 more importantly getting each person to think what did I do to make that happen it's not like it was a fluke it just happened to be great what
0: did you consciously, what did I actively yes. do
2: what did I hold myself back from doing? What did I do more of to help me and my partner have a better moment? And it's so nourishing when they're able to do that. Absolutely.
0: And I think it's focusing on the things you're getting right together yeah. because a lot of couples come and see us or they think about these these moments or they remember the last family experience and they focus on the things that were ghastly and terrible yeah. as opposed to the things that might mu- that w- were Completely. you know the little things that were Completely. good that we can build on Completely. but i also think it's really important that they are very conscious about themselves they are they can be a team yeah they are it's yeah. the we we go into this place mm. together how do we support each other and i think the support comes from understanding the vulnerabilities that the other feels mm. around mm. in that family situation, yeah. yes. where there's, a, they might have even sat down before going and saying, "You know, what are you? What are your concerns yeah. about this? What are you excited for? Uh, what are you worried for?" And really having a, a conversation beforehand where th- they acknowledge the potential dangers. Sure. There's also the question
2: of how how able how willing is a family to extend itself and open up to a new person Mm. and how can you preserve the couple unit amidst that setting so it's still about the
0: two of you these are things i think that couples need to explore with each other very deeply before they go into Mm. you know committed relationships Mm. a real exploration and a really deep curious investigation of each other's family of origin Uh so
1: don't introduce your girlfriend boyfriend to your family until you've discussed it until you've i mean can we not risk introducing people to our family though
0: i think it's it's not about risk there is a risk if you have not said By the way, my family like to dance around the table before dinner, chanting prayers, Mm -hmm. and we don't tolerate um, alcohol. You need to prepare them. Sure. You need to say, and my dad can be really shouty Mm -hmm. sometimes. My mum's a bit quiet, but don't take that personally. I'm just going to interrupt you, because how
2: often have you sat with a couple where um, one person might say, you know, and it's crazy, like your family, like never talk, they'll have a big blowout and then they'll just pretend nothing happened. And the other person says, yeah, that's normal. Because in my, in my situation, when I met my partner's uh, family, he, he thought it'd be really funny to A, say to them that I didn't speak English because I grew up in France, Um, And also that I was a vegetarian and a few other bits and bobs. Which you're not. Well, interestingly enough, I I have just become. But of all the points that he said to his parents, the fact that I was a vegetarian was the most kind of outrageous for them. Not that I could potentially not communicate one. It was the fact that I, you know, wouldn't eat meat. And as I've come to know them as a family, I I know how big part meat pays, you know, in their family meat eating. Um, But for me, this was like a new... I was quite quizzical about it. Why, you yeah. know, why would the fact that I'm a vegetarian be so? I
0: think that's such a bombshell. You know, it's it's very hard to gauge what is normal to you to you against what is normal to your partner, sure. and it's how to understand that you both come from very different cultural and, and social experiences. Yeah. Even if you grew up in the same town mm-hmm. and you're a similar age mm-hmm. and maybe you even went to the same mm. school, you will not have had mm. the same home life and learned about relationships in the same way as anybody else. Yeah, And you can't assume that the person who's coming into your home, into your family of origin home, is going to get it.
2: Yeah. And I would say... If I'm thinking about couples that i'm that I've worked with where there are fam there are children in the mix, it is the arrival of children really signals a very big change um especially where all all the expectations around gender and gender roles come out in ways that they might not have done previously mm-hmm. and then you might find in a family you know the parents expect the mum to do all the cooking, remember all the birthdays, whatever. And the mum might come from a very different cultural background, um, so I think that's when, if you're able to, in couple therapy or even in your own conversations, try and tease out, okay, what what did I learn about being a woman? What did I learn about being a mum? You know, vice versa, and try and make it a bit more
0: explicit. And they will be unconscious, and they will mm. be acted out, mm. and they will, and it, which can lead to conflict if they're not made conscious yeah. and talked about yeah it's so important yeah. isn't it
2: and I mean we're kind of the like you were saying Richard you know that we're we, we have the privilege of kind of insight and we have the privilege of doing the work that we do so we get to think about these things but most people you know, they don't have these very kind of intricate conversations before getting into a relationship. Well,
0: they don't. And it's, my goodness, I mean, there's the point of this podcast and our work and more, you know, the podcast is about, you know, getting to people who don't have the opportunity to go to therapy or don't understand what therapy can can give them and or maybe can't afford it or whatever. And I know it's really difficult to find a couple's Mm. um, relationship Mm. coaches, is that to help them understand why it's important mm-hmm. to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have these conversations, you are going to get into really yeah. turbulent yeah. water mm-hmm. and you can really upset the boat. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's mm. it's it's rocky enough dealing mm-hmm. with um, mm-hmm. the other's families. Mm-hmm. Rocky enough dealing with our own families, for this <laughs> <Yeah. Christ laughs> There's part
1: of me, I mean, <clears throat> okay, so I, I agree with you. There's part of me that says, yes, I am, you know, I think it's right that we go into this before we introduce our mm-hmm. partners or you know to our families, etc, cetera, et cetera, but there is another part of me which is like well, the only place to really find out whether there's a problem is to just is to just do it hmm. and then to see how it is. I suppose what's more important is how, how that that team aspect is if we're going into this because i don't know I could. So let's say hypothetically I'm in a relationship mm. and I'm introducing my partner to my family. There is a chance, isn't there? I ask actually, is there a chance that by raising issues that I think I am preempting, I could also be creating those problems mm. in You've got a very good point.
0: you there's a very something
1: good, that might not really exist yeah. or is or is a, is actually really about me and not mm. about a potential relationship between my partner and mm. my family.
0: Mm. Yes, I think that's a very good point. What is my stuff and what is what's the family yeah. system stuff? Mm. I think it's important to I think that's a very good point. I think so, yeah 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 thank god for that it's a really it's good a point. really good
2: point because also you might find that your partner has skills and ways of coping with your family that you may you, you right. know that you may not have and you think oh wow they deal with that really well and mm. actually i find that really gets my goat but then you can laugh it off whatever yeah. it might be i think that's a really good point and you point. love them for that and you love <laughs> them for that and your, you love them yeah, for yeah, that I can't believe, yeah. yeah yeah
0: exactly yeah. i mean i can't believe you got on with my brother i haven't spoken to him for five yeah. years yeah yeah. So yeah. that's a re- that's a that's that's very interesting. I think yeah. that it's being able to also trust that the your partner has the capa- has a capacity mm. to mm. tolerate your family mm. but also to own your own anxieties about certain aspects. Right. I might behave in a way that you haven't <sighs> seen before. <gasps> or just say I get anxious when I get home and all the ki- all the, all my siblings are around and we start getting really competitive with each Mm. other. It's being able to kind of name your own stuff so that there's a kind of sense that this is the teamwork, Mm. that I'm not gonna do something that you're gonna get pissed off about, or I'm gonna warn you, this is difficult for me. So when I give you a look of, we need to get out of here now, you're not gonna go, but I'm just having another drink. Mm. Mm. Or I'm just talking to your dad, or we're having so much fun. Mm. And and one of you is stressing. So it's this teamwork where you kind of got each other's back on this, mm. Mm. where you've made a kind of alliance mm. with each other mm. before you go in.
2: And I think that's a great point, actually, because I think what happens and I think why this this issue can be such a kind of a hot topic is that our, our feelings about our families are both kind of as you're saying we can all we can certainly feel kind of frustrated around our families or belittled or anxious but we're also incredibly often very kind of protective Mm. of our families and really wed to them so what you say you the person that matters to me so much what you say about my family matters so much to me you know that you like them that you don't like them really matters to me and therefore um it's so important for couples to be really careful about their language you know so when I work with people and I might have a conversation with them about the about their in-laws the first thing I say is yeah so remind them of that point So be careful about how you speak about each other's families and the moaning that you need to do about one in-law don't do it with your partner if I'm in a relationship and my partner's dad does my head in he doesn't by the way but if he does my head in um i i would ideally take that like oh my gosh he does my head in part yeah. somewhere else be, yes somewhere yeah, else yeah, yeah. yeah. because it it's um because that would be very hard for my partner to, to another friend to, a to another exactly exactly
0: thanks for listening to love maps stay tuned for the second half of our podcast with lisa bruton you can find more information and support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com, and follow Love Maps Podcast on Instagram. the things that are to be admired in each other's families, the differences, you know, it's amazing how great your Mm -hmm. family are when they come together, they laugh so much Mm -hmm. and, you know, they seem to enjoy each Mm -hmm. other and then they have a bit of a fight and then they get Mm -hmm. together again. Wow, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. so, so dynamic. Those sort of positives are often overlooked with couples and they go in for the negatives, don't they? They go into you know, your father always does this or why doesn't your mm. mother ever want to see the children mm. and she never comes mm. over and it's always your...
1: It seems to come back to the extent to which we're able to deal with the families of our partners. It's contingent on how much work we've done on ourselves because it's what we, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, mm. it's us going into that environment, mm. isn't it? We see that environment according to our own life condition, right? We bring our own experience to it and we can see that whatever whatever our partner is is they are uh, the result of that family environment whatever it is
0: well it's having com- it's having an understanding of your family system what did your parents learn from their parents mm-hmm. your mother was somebody's daughter your father was somebody's son. yeah what did they learn about mm. when they were growing up mm. that they have not resolved and they've passed on mm. and it's it's understanding the legacy that you bring and also that your partner. and I think that genograms where you write down your family's history like you you look at, your family, mum, dad, or maybe three siblings, and who, you know what kind of relationship they had. I think it's a really useful way of helping couples and individuals understand what they learnt growing up mm-hmm. in terms of their values about love, about trust. About being in relationship to another, and what was their relationship like with their parents? When you can acknowledge the strengths and the weaknesses of your family, actually, your
2: partner pointing something out, like, "Oh wow, you really do that thing." Or like, so my family, for instance, we're like, we're terrible for like sitting down and having a meal. Everyone will be grazing and picking throughout the day. All you day. Mean long. You
1: don't sit down. Not
2: people. really. We chat loads, and we'll all be slumping about in our pajamas somewhere. But there isn't a kind of formal we will sit down and have a meal and that's kind of the way we've always been but for my partner it drives him nuts you know because he really doesn't have a meal but but because I at the minute it's not something I feel defensive about he can point it out and I can be like yeah you're right and and then the moment it's gone it's diffused if I had this you know really idealized version of my family where you know we're we this is the way we do things and we're perfect anyone pick pointing anything out that I wouldn't like I would respond with aggression so I think I think being able to have a more moderate views of our family allows us to to kind of get some feedback from our partner and it's tolerable you know we don't kind of we don't explode
0: we don't dissolve it's all right well it's this this ability to um tolerate difference yeah you know we like to slump you like to sit yeah and neither are right and neither are wrong. And isn't it funny that I've chosen a partner that likes to slump when I like to sit? There's something we can, I can maybe do a bit more slumping and you can do a bit more sitting. It's it's kind of celebrating Mm. the difference. But one of the things I want to touch on is the vilification of the Mm mother-in-law. What the hell is that all about? It's generally the mother-in-laws and the wives that are
2: um encouraged to do the kind of planning the socializing the cooking the feeding whatever and i think that can put them in a very competitive position sometimes where the kind of home has been um one woman's kind of domain um she may have very strong ideas about how things are done with regards to parenting, with regards to cooking, whatever it might well, be. Well, her
0: role and her identity has been about, yeah, her role, her part, and yeah. her place in the yeah. family as the mother, yeah. as the centre of the centre yeah. of the heart, yeah. hasn't it? So yeah. the
1: competition is with the daughter-in-law, and, and the daughter-in-law, the legacy of the daughter-in-law's family experience, yeah. mother, yeah. mother experience, yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: Um, Absolutely. And I think because it's, it, because it's kind of a well-known trope, because it's something that, you know, there are jokes about and films about, it's almost like a narrative that is kind of given to you. Oh yeah, you're, you know, you guys are going to be loggerheads. Whereas actually, you know, ideally what you can present to couples is you have the freedom to create whichever relationship with your mother-in-law that you want. You don't have to um, replicate... This this almost this parody of mother in laws and daughter in laws. Does a lot of it on. come
1: down to a sort of addiction to being right about things, or to 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 have um, an attachment to the rightness of my yeah. own family experience, yeah. or is that something?
0: Yeah, I'm. I also think that it is quite prevalent in families where, and there's more and more I see that, where particularly where there's been divorce or separation. And I'm seeing adults who come from parents who have divorced. And often the divorce is around the teenage years mm-hmm. or maybe earlier. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the men and women I'm seeing have grown up with parents who aren't together. So there's no modelling right. of so parents together. And there's often the mother who is on her own raising the children and I do see that a lot of women are, find it very hard to let go of their sons. Okay. Where in previous generations, women's
2: work was mainly in the home, that they might get a lot of their emotional needs met through their kids. And I think that's a really dangerous place where if their kids then go on to, you know, have other significant relationships or leave their family home and this kind of... It's road.
0: extremely hard for the mothers. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's what I'm seeing a lot of is that there are mm. boys who've grown up, who are still feel a deep loyalty mm. to their mother, and a part of them feels that they are still very attached to the mother because the mother really didn't have, mm. when these boys were teenagers, mm. a man alongside mm. them. There was no mirroring to that boy mm. of adult relationships.
2: And then I think then, I think that's a brilliant point, and then you find men if we're talking about men whose association with intimate relationships is that they're claustrophobic and that they're engulfing yeah so they can
0: that's a whole nother subject that's a whole yeah that's a whole different podcast but back to mother-in-law it's a fantastically interesting subject but i think that's why there can be conflict between women because the mother of the husband let's say the mother-in-law is also afraid of possibly if she's not in a loving relationship Mm. maybe the most loving relationship she's had throughout a difficult marriage has been the relationship with her son Mm.
2: and then it brings up the question of who does the emotional work in the family so if all the emotional work of the family is delegated to the women where are the men like where this conflict are happening where where are the men to kind of mediate soften get involved
0: or or do they just exit? I think that. Uh, what I mean, from my experience, yeah. they exit. Right. Well, mm. I mean, what's your experience?
2: I think that's true, and I, I mean, think then, you see, you, then that needs to be challenged.
0: Well, you have
1: to. Yes, of when course, you have to bring don't them back get in. Involved.
2: Yeah. Well, they're not expected to, and they're not invited to, and and also often that whole. Why thing, are they not invited to? Well, I think, um, I think, and this is something that I really frustrates me a lot is that there's a there can be a real infantilizing and dismissing of men and their capacity to do that mm. are they useless at that they don't understand or i think there's a lot is, of
1: infantilizing is. of men generally yeah. generally i think it's a 1970s uh, throwback
2: yeah and i think it both it both what
0: do you mean by that
1: well i think there is a there is a classic sort of trope in uh, particularly sort of 1970s sitcoms that there's the sort of bumbling mm. man and that the woman is mm. you know the capable one mm. and um, yeah I mean that's just something that I think we have suffered from that kind of stereotyping
2: they're also given the message and you can't do this you don't know how to do this I'm better at this than you I'm better at doing the emotional work than you so I think I think it's um in one way it's a freedom you don't have to do this work but in, in another way it's a de-skilling. you don't know
0: how to do this work well it's again dismissing the feminine in the man yeah so it's 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 it's', it's contemptuous to the man of his capacity to handle the feelings of the woman.
2: Yeah. And I think then you can have some really interesting conversations with couples, again, when children come in the mix. Because so often I find with heterosexual couples, they automatically fall into the the woman stays at home, the, the man goes to work without ever discussing it. So they're super, super interesting, super important decisions that they make that will have a big impact on how they are as a family. Mm. And they're never made explicit. So even if they go on and, and they, you know, they 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 still keep those choices, I find it's a really necessary conversation to have with couples, okay? So you're, you're now not working, you are. How is that for the two of you? Did you discuss that? What's that like? What are the... You know, what are the gains, what are
0: the losses, etc.? And what did cetera, you learn from your family of origin? And what exactly did your mother work? Exactly, How did your father exactly. feel about your mother working? Yeah. Because maybe the wife does, maybe the woman does want to go out and work. The husband might say, but, but my mother didn't mm. work and she was perfectly happy. Exactly. And I think that's a great point,
2: Joe. And it's it's reminding me of that question you were asking earlier. Why is why is the relationship between daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws, you know, sometimes so kind of volatile? And I think it's it can be what does what does my mother-in-law represent to me if she has been the stay-at-home mum? Something that I by all means want to They're avoid. Not. Yes, I don't. I want to define myself against that. And then if 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 for the mother-in-law, what does the daughter-in-law represent? You know, it might be they admire what they do it might be they really envy it you know so it's kind of what what do they both represent
0: to each other what i'm
1: hearing is that no 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 two situations are the same
0: exactly we all come from completely different families and even siblings growing up in the same household have completely different experiences of what was going on absolutely i think that unless you deeply understand yourself and your family and that's why the genogram i think you know if we think we're, we're talking about what couples can do for themselves how can they deepen their bond so they are strong enough to tolerate the turbulence of each other's families and what that can bring up
2: and it can be also useful to to look at how our families can be sources of support to us yes. so how they can be sources of companionship whatever it might be because families are units that may need if there's healthcare issues if there's aging issues if there's kids whatever Mm, they may mm. also need to be kind of helped and nourished and that's where i think uh, that's where i think families can be a real
0: asset when we were communicating before the podcast about you know the subject matter one of the things that you said which i really loved was you know, support, you know, it's really important to support your partner's relationship with their parents. Yeah. Encourage yeah. it. Don't yeah. try and pull them away from their family. It's actually to hold a space that has hope of repair. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to remember that in all relationships, with ourselves, with our partners, with our in-laws, there's going to be times of harmony, mm-hmm there's going to be times of disharmony and repair Mm. is the goal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not to stay in the disharmony and I think people really need to hold that in mind because it's a very loving thing to do to yourself and Mm. for your partner and for your relationship and for all the people around the relationship. Mm -hmm. And when the grandchildren are... I mean, this is a big point, isn't it, Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. What are your children witnessing Mm. as you talk Mm. about your own Mm. families, the other person's families? Are you being derogatory Mm. about your partner's family in front Mm. of their grandchildren? Mm. What are the grandchildren learning about that? Are people conscious of
1: that? Are they conscious of that when they come to see you?
2: I... for the most part I think they're not Not, and I think I think your point is really right is to not use your children as pawns and to really think about what you're modeling to them and at the same time children can be a real incentive to kind of clean up your behavior if you're thinking what yeah what do I want to portray what do I want to model oh this is what I'd like to model to them so it can be an incentive to kind of clean up Clean up your act a little bit. An incentive to stay in your more adult yeah, self. Yeah. And there's a place for, so this isn't about being perfect. If you feel really kind of frustrated it's about something that's happened, there's a there's a place to vent, Absolutely. but it's not with your partner and it's certainly not in front of your
0: kids. Definitely not in front of your children. Even just having fights or arguments or mm. conflict. I always say, you know, you're going mm. into quite a pattern mm. that you learnt in your childhood. Mm. I often say to couples, you know. Who's looking at you? Mm-hmm. Who's mm-hmm. watching you? And they often say, oh God, it's, you know, my my five-year-old and my eight-year-old. And I say, well, you know what? I want you to, when you come in and see me next time, I want you to bring photographs of your ah. children in. Because, and I'm mm-hmm. going to put the photographs of your children in, and I'm going to have them facing you. Because I want you to remember when you go into this stuff mm-hmm. with each other, when you start being... Really unkind and rude and derogatory and dismissive with mm. each other, just remember who's mm. looking at you. Mm. And just remember it enough to mm. be able to say, let's take this outside. Mm. Let's take this away. Mm. Let's just take a breath. We can come mm. back to this, but it's not like kicking off because mm-hmm. you think you can and you're giving yourself permission to do it wherever. Mm-hmm.
1: If we were to summarise this conversation of the key things that people can take away and what they can actually do, something mm. I was very interested in that you've both touched on that I've never come across before is genograms. I've got no experience mm-hmm. of that. I've never even heard the word until today. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is that something you can ask for, find a practitioner who works with I that? I mean,
2: yeah, it's, and it's something you can do kind of in the comfort of your own home. So you would um, draw up, you can find them on the internet, a kind of family tree. And what I normally get couples to do is Uh, draw a family tree of significant people in their lives so like you know their their generation their parents grandparents etc and then they ask them to think about so first of all significant events in their families so kind of uh, bereavements marriages second marriages moving abroad etc etc and then in in the context of this conversation it would be to ask them what models of coupledom did you have around you positive and negative and therefore what do you think you bring to your couple and it's a great conversation and it's a lovely thing for couples to do together because they can effectively kind of introduce this aspect of their families to their partner Um, and i find it super rich i don't know about you joe
0: oh absolutely and they learn about so much about patterns of behavior Mm. and thinking
1: Mm.
0: so yeah you know recognizing yourself in Mm. the system and Mm. has that worked and Mm. how it that worked Mm. and how it Served the family or didn't serve the family, mm. and when you give thought and attention to that, and you look into your own system, and then you look at the other your partner's system without criticism mm. what were the real treasures mm. that have been passed through? Mm. What are the values that are really held that are fabulous, mm. right. and what are the values that actually. I can see absolutely why they thought that or why they wanted to do that or why they needed to behave Mm. like that. Or have that dialogue with your partner about, do you think this is, where we want to be? Is this where... Do you think this is what we want to be modelling for our children?
2: And I think what you're bringing out is that collaborative nature of it, that we can kind of have a back and forth together about our thoughts. And also that we can allow difference. So, you know, my partner might be really up for being this particular way on holiday or behaving this particular way with his in-laws. And that's okay. So he doesn't need to be exactly like me. I don't need to be exactly like him. And I think another thing I would add to your takeaway point is is a is, uh, sensitivity around language i think for me that is really key if you can just think that your partner's family is something that it's incredibly precious mm, to them absolutely. they might have conflicted feelings about it but effectively they're going to be quite protective really be careful in your language
0: Gosh, this has been really interesting, hasn't <laughs> it? It's really hours. taken God, me by a surprise,
1: of... actually, that there was so much. And of course, you know, yeah, I mean, to yeah. think about it so deeply, like deliberately yeah. to kind of say, this is a thing that happens a lot. This is a big conversation. Mm.
0: Yeah. Really mm. Fascinating. It's a really, it's a, yeah, fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. I've learned so much as well. Thank you, Thanks Lisa. So it's been really so it. great Thanks having so your, yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. Lovely. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Love Maps. We hope you've taken away something useful. If you know anyone who's struggling in their relationship, please share our podcast with them. You can find more information about the topics covered and links to therapeutic support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com.